You are listening to Sweats, Heels, and Mental Health Podcast with Twinning with Winning Women. This podcast is dedicated to everyday girls and women who are making a difference in their community as well as their homes. We bring you conversations about everyday life and life experiences, and we're here to inform and encourage you and empower you. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Sweats, Hills, and Mental Health. I'm one of your co-hosts, Marshawn. And I'm your other co-host, Maria. And of course, we're twinning with winning women. Um, Today, we wanted to discuss an important topic that women and girls endure, infant and pregnancy loss and the misconception of grieving, Um, especially with this month being Infancy and Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month. And the Remembrance Day, I believe, is on October 15th. Um, So I know that a lot of women, a lot of our friends, family members, and even when you conversate with people about this type of loss, um, the CDC, along with other organizations, they monitor maternal and infant mortality, and they focus on gathering data to better understand the extent of maternal and infant morbidity, um, adverse behaviors during pregnancy, and even long-term consequences of pregnancy. So there are so many causes of infancy and pregnancy loss that um, one in four women experience this type of loss in their lifetime. Yeah. You know, I didn't really hear about this until I got much older and went away for college. Um, But, you know, growing up, we heard about this with close friends or, you know, family members where, where one person is pregnant and all of a sudden they're not you know, no longer have the child, not a lot of conversation. And so that's one of the reasons about this today, just to bring a lot more awareness to this, that so many women go through this. This started in 1988. Um, President Ronald Reagan, um, during his presidency, declared October um, the uh, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And it's something he said I would like to read. Um, when a child loses his parent, they are called an orphan. When a spouse loses her or his partner, they are called a widow or a widower. When parents lose their child, there isn't a word to describe them. This month recognizes the loss so many parents experience across the United States and around the world. Um, It is also meant to inform and provide resources for parents who have lost children due to miscarriage, ectopic um, pregnancy, molar pregnancy, stillbirths, birth defects, SIDS, and other causes. And so one person we had in mind to bring to this episode that she is knowledgeable, she's a professional, um, and she has such a heart for others and families that are um, have experienced this. And it is Julie McCoy. She is a licensed clinical social worker and a certified grief uh, recovery specialist in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So thank you so much, Julie, for being with us today. Yay. Thank you, ladies, for having me. Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad to be here. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I graduated from Western Kentucky University um, and I've been in the field since um, 1999. I got my master's in social work at Western Kentucky University 
and I've worked in a lot of different settings. Uh, most recently, I've started my private practice about four years ago called McCoy Counseling Center, where we focus on grief um, and loss, um, as well as general mental health concerns. And then about eight years ago, we started our nonprofit foundation called Steps for Samuel. Um, and that was originated after um, we lost um, son, stillborn son, um, Samuel, and we couldn't find a lot of resources. So um, we decided to turn our grief into something that could help other people. And so we have done that and we're this will be our eighth year. So we're glad so to do that. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. And the fact that you turned your, your pain into purpose, it just gives me chills that, the, you know, that you all have your family came together at a, such a vulnerable time to say, you know what, I, we're taking this and going to help other families. And so I commend you and your family for doing that. That is amazing. Thank you. It really is a family uh, you know, it affects the whole family. And I think sometimes people within the family get lost in, in all of that, which we'll talk about today, I hope. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. One thing I know um, that we all kind of have our, our perception of what it is, but what is infant loss and stillbirth? Good question. Um, so any loss prior to 20 weeks gestation is labeled as a miscarriage. And as you reported, one in four pregnancies in a miscarriage. And, you know, many miscarriages may not even be reported because many women, unfortunately, deliver these babies at home in their bathroom and maybe didn't even know they were pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they may think it's just a heavier period. Um, mm -hmm. And so they may not even go to the doctor to have any levels checked. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's 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 a question as to whether that number is actually higher than that. But, yeah. you know, as you said, the reported number is one in four. Mm -hmm. So the difference in a miscarriage and a stillbirth is a stillbirth is any loss after 20 weeks in gestation. Mm -hmm. So stillbirth affects one in 160 births per the Center for Disease Control. And according to the Stillbirth Collaborative Research Network writing group, the reason for these losses are often not known because mm -hmm. there's extensive testing that has to be done on the baby after birth mm -hmm. uh, to determine what the cause was. Um, and, you know, that's such an emotional time. Parents may or may not even be able to make that decision. Yeah. Um, and so some reasons found... Um, problems with cell division errors, problems with the placenta, umbilical mm. cord problems, high blood pressure of the mother, or even infections. Mm. Um, so in saying this, half a million babies are born prematurely or with birth defects yearly. And so mm. I would like to break this down by state, if we could, since you're in Tennessee yes. and I'm in Kentucky, I pulled both those states. Okay. And it's not good news for us, ladies. Um, so Kentucky and Tennessee are both rated D's, D as in dog, on the March of Dimes yearly report card. Uh, Kentucky's a D minus and Tennessee fared slightly better with a D. Mm -hmm. And they give this score based on uh, preterm birth rates. So comparing this to the country overall, the U.S. only earned a C. And only wow. one state, one earned an A and that's Oregon. Wow. Pretty unbelievable. 
That is. Oh my God. And when you think about how many of these deaths are happening and how these um, uh, stillbirths are happening, who nation or age range or, you know, race that is most high risk. Sure. Sure. Um, so stillbirth generally occurs more often in women who are 35 or older, who are African-American, mm-hmm. who come from low socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. um, women who smoke cigarettes or have chronic conditions like high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, Um, Of course, if you have multiple pregnancies, your chances of losing one of those babies, you know, if you have triplets, the chances are going to be higher of losing one of those babies. And of course, uh, previous pregnancy loss can can sometimes be an indicator of a future pregnancy loss. Um, And so the chronic inequalities and unequal access to quality health care creates barriers for women in minority groups or even impoverished women. And I think it's important that we find a way to address the implicit bias and structural racism in healthcare and the community settings um, to create a better and more equal pregnancy for all women. Just very real, even though we don't see it all the time, but you hear about it where you may have a, a white patient and a black patient that come in and one may receive possibly better care um, than um, the other based on race. That's why we're so low receiving a C overall in our nation. You know, right. Part of the yeah. reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the preterm birth rate among uh, black women is 45% higher than the rate among all other women of any race. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just astounding. That number is astounding to me. Yeah, that's a huge number. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's just so much that's not known, you know. Um, I don't know um, if you all remember talking about when you're when you have a child or have someone that is having a child in your family, they talk about the RH factor. Does anybody ever remember get tested for RH? I don't remember that. What is that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so it's a really big deal when you're pregnant. It has to do, I'm not a doctor and I will, I will say that I'm not a doctor, but it has to do with the child and the mother's blood type having to match in some way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really big deal. If they don't match, you have to take medication. Uh, And that wasn't even discovered until the 1940s. So this wasn't even a thing when our grandmothers were having babies. Mm. And then it took four years before it was even published in any sort of reputable way. Um, So we are, you know, we are well behind the men Mm. as far as the development of our health care. It's very unfortunate. Our friends and family members that have experienced this, just like, you know, Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan said in his quote, in this statement, it's like there's no words for a parent that's lost a child. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, pregnancy and infant loss has been so stigmatized for so long. And I bet there are a number of your listeners today who have aunts or uncles who died as babies or in childbirth that, that they may or may not have even known existed. Um, and, you know, back in the day, they had a lot of home births. 
Um, so, you know, if a baby died at home, there's no record of anything happening. So, um, you know, as a, as a society, we're conditioned as women to not announce our pregnancy until the second trimester. Right. Right. We were all told that. Um, and the unfortunate part of that, you know, they say, don't announce your pregnancy until the second trimester, because if something happens, Mm-hmm. And I never know what follows that sentence. Right. <laughs> if something happens, period. Um, mm-hmm. If you lose a baby, you need more support than you ever have in your life. And mm-hmm. women are made to sometimes feel that miscarriage um, is something they did wrong. They, quote, mm-hmm. miscarried the baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, couldn't be farther from the truth, but that's, you know, that's a hard, hard thing to change. So ways that we can surround our families to help them through is by, you know, simply holding space for them. Um, never, ever, ever say things like, at least you have other children. Right. Yeah. That's common too. Yeah. Yeah. Very common. Or this was God's plan or God needed another angel mm-hmm. or he or she isn't suffering anymore if it's an infant. Mm-hmm. Um, all that does is minimize the grief of the family. Yes. Um, so if you don't know what to say, just say that. I'm so sorry for your loss. I don't even know what to say, mm-hmm. but I'm here for you. Right. That's right. Better, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes with the death of the baby, we tend to surround the mother. Mm-hmm. And we think that because she carried the baby, her body endured the loss, that she needs more from us. Yeah. And maybe that's true. But let me let me remind you that the father lost a child. Right. The siblings lost a brother or sister. Grandma lost a grandbaby. And they tend to get lost in all of this. That's right. And if you look around the room, the husband's in the corner feeling completely powerless and lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only has he lost his child, but he's lost his wife, at least temporarily. And he can't do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're a man... With a child or without one, I ask for you to reach out to any newly grieving father. Ask Mm -hmm. him to come over and sit by the fire with you. Allow him to talk. Let him take you wherever he wants to without judgment. Keep your mouth closed and just listen. Easier said than done, though, right? (laughs) Right. And it, you know, makes me think, too. I'm glad you said that. Um, I think about... Women, when we lose children or we give birth, even we have this maternity leave. But are those options available for men now to take that time off? You know, is it more common now to men have that opportunity to take time off if they've experienced this before, you know, the, the maternity leave actually kicks in? Does that cover this that's type a, of loss? That's a really good question. And, you know, a lot of Husbands, that's an, that's another misconception of grief. Um, keep busy, you know. So so maybe them getting up and going to work keeps their wife from having to go back to work. Yeah. Um, and they just carry so much. Yeah. Um, men just don't know essentially how to really talk about it either. I don't think, and that's that's yeah. difficult. Yeah. yeah. Are they trying to stay strong for um, their their partner? And so I feel like they have to, you know, sink themselves or internalize their emotions or stuff them. But no, you know, it really helps, like you said, creating a space 
for the whole family to feel like, you know, we're grieving together, you know, even though we're grieving individually, this is a collective um, process as well. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, the men definitely need to, they need, like they, they cover up, but they definitely need, they need to talk about it. They need that, that grieving process as well. And I think, yeah, the woman, the mother, the wife, the girlfriend, you know, or like mom, aunts, uncle, just being there, giving them that room, that space, that safe place to discuss it and not feel like less of a man for sharing that emotion, you know, because they need to grieve. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think sometimes the women will look to their husband who are stone faced. And instead of thinking you're being strong for me, they might think, do you not even care? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not true. (laughs) They care so much. They're trying to be strong for you. But as women, we can't see that when they're in the midst of our grief like that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Now, you were telling us a little bit about your organization. Can you give us a little bit more on what you all actually provide, like resources for families that have experienced this type of loss? Yes, yes. Um, So Steps for Samuel started as a yearly event um, in which we um, commemorate the loss of babies. So we will have a proclamation reading of pregnancy and infant loss for the month of October in a public space, in a public park generally. We will um, read babies' names who have died and will light candles in their honor. Um, The International Wave of Light is always on October 15th from 7 to 8. So if you light a candle from 7 to 8 in your time zone, it'll be 24 hours of light throughout the world for your baby. So we try to do that every year. Um, We do a tree dedication. Um, Sometimes we'll read a a storybook. Um, We also provide comfort kits to the hospitals here locally, and uh, both for mom and children. And then the moms will put some dad things, stress balls, um, journals, that sort of thing. We'll provide books to the kids. The book is called Sun Kisses, Moon Hugs, and we, we um, provide those to every family. We also provide flowers for families who can't afford flowers for, you know, a birthday or death anniversary date or even the initial uh, burial. We'll provide flowers if they can't financially afford those. Mm. Wow. Wow. So you all are surrounding and wrapping these families around with love and support and information. That is amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And we really push self-care when we meet with them, you know, hydrating, sleeping, nutrition, fresh air, sunshine. We we just want to make sure everybody is, you know, healthy Um, because, you know, you're also dealing with postpartum sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we have to surround them and make sure they're okay. Have you noticed any um, the outcome with families that are surrounded with that much support in the beginning and then that support tends to thin out? Yeah, we definitely like the families to tell us what they need. If they mm-hmm. say, no, we're not interested, we want to move on right now and never think about this again, perfect. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. all about doing whatever you need us to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right, you know, that. Society says we have about a year to grieve, and after that we haven't moved on, then something is definitely wrong with that mother, and that's not true. 
Um, so yeah, one of the, one of the things that really touches me is on Samuel's birthday every year. I have two dear friends that text me on his birthday every year. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just so special because somebody remembered my child. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's so important if they're interested to keep walking, to keep remembering, to keep talking. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I love that. I love that. And having that support system and people that genuinely are there with you, surrounding you. Yes. And even if you think about it, what are some, through your experiences and through, you know, the experience of others, what are some misconceptions about that grieving process? Sure, sure. Um, so one of the one of the misconceptions is be strong for the children. Um if you're crying and your child walks in and you stop, you're teaching that child to suck everything back in. Yes. Kids know. They know you're crying inside even when you aren't on the outside. And it's appropriate to say, oh, I'm just thinking about the baby today and it makes me sad, but I'll be okay. Yes. Um, it's okay for them to see you cry. Again, sometimes that, that allows us to share grief when both are crying as opposed to just one crying. Um, another misconception is to keep busy, um, keeping busy. Uh, of course we all have to function, right? But keeping busy only distracts and it fills up the space that we're supposed to be using to grieve. Yeah. Um, I had a friend say to me, um, uh, after Samuel's death, um, I didn't talk to you about it because I didn't want to upset you. Mm. And I said, guess what? (laughs) I didn't forget you aren't reminding me of something that I forgot about. Right. Or trying to forget about. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if I don't want to talk about it, I'll likely tell you. Uh, and again, hearing that baby's name is so soothing. Um, and as far as timeline, um, we've all heard about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has talked about, you know, denial, anger, depression, bargaining, accepting. Uh, when she theorized this, she did not mean for it to be a lateral boxed up theory. Right. Um, people have incorrectly tended to make it that. Um, you might experience all of those, but it's not in any particular order. And they aren't stages you have to check off before moving on to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's no normal way to grieve. Some people cry, some people don't, some plant trees, some don't, some name their baby, some don't, some sit at the cemetery every day for lunch. Um, So all of this is okay, and it's not fair to judge someone else's grieving process. Um, So. Absolutely. I know I have a a friend that um, lost a child. you know, like, I, and I want to say maybe it was stillbirth, but I know every year that she does um, on the the child's birthday, she does the balloon release. Oh, um, perfect! And does it live, and I and I watch it every year, and I love it because you just see the love that she has, the remembrance, the support, and it and it's like saying like it's okay, you know what I'm saying? To talk about it, it's okay to grieve, <laughs> it's okay yes. to remember. We we try to society mm-hmm. and people try to make people forget or don't think about mm-hmm. it, but it's like this was a this was a person. Right. Period. And this person was important to me, no matter if it was 20 weeks, less right. than 20 weeks over. This was a person. This was a human. This was a fetus I was carrying or not. And, you know, well, I want to remember them. They, they 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 were created. They were, you know, they were here. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Mm. 
Powerful, powerful women who want to continue trying, you know, what's some misconceptions about that? I think sometimes we think, oh, they're not going to try again or they're not going to try to get pregnant again. But what are some, what have you seen or experienced? Well, a lot of times, you know, that can go one of several ways. I've had women in my office who want to try immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have women who, you know, have been told uh, those things that minimize their grief, one of which you can try again. Mm -hmm. So it really is very individualized. Um, you know, I always caution my clients that you can't replace this baby you lost with right. another baby. Right. So we got to tread very delicately on that one. And again, there's, you know, no start and stop time for grief. So, you know, yeah. it's hard to say when it's appropriate to uh, for them to begin on that journey. Yeah. And, and that too, thinking about not only the emotional effects, the physical effects, um, spiritual effects, um, uh, relationship effects like you're talking about um, from a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss, you know, type of pregnancy loss where, you know, some question God, you know, why God, why did you have to take, you know, this child? And so that's um, some of the things that I know I've experienced with um, some of my clients who um, may have turned away from their faith because, They've been so angry about what happened and not knowing how to process it. Yes. Um, I, I see that in my practice too. Um, lots of women don't, you know, how can this be? How can this, you know, this baby didn't do anything. How can this baby be taken from me? Um, and you're right. Anger at God. And, um, you know, with the postpartum stuff, a lot, you know, you can still be postpartum after you deliver a stillborn. Yes. Your milk still comes in when you have a stillborn, mm -hmm. which, you know, that's hard to even fathom. I mean, we're talking about weeks of reminders yeah. um, mm -hmm. as you're expressing that milk and, you know, going to the gynecologist and, um, you know, our faith for us back to faith. Our faith was the one of the biggest things that got us through. Just commend you all for just um pulling people in when you need them the most um, and not pushing them away. Right. Yeah. Just want to ask if there was anything else that you want to let our listeners know or anything that's um, you, we probably didn't ask you that you would like to share. Well, the only thing that I would like to add um, again, there's no timeline. So the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders report that if grief reaction goes on for more than one year, mm -hmm. uh, the longing uh, for that person, uh, then you may want to see a professional. Uh, yes. If it doesn't get better within a year, it doesn't have to be gone, but it should mm -hmm. be some better, then you might want to see your professional. And also remember that trauma and grief are not the same. Right. So we can lose a baby um, and grieve that baby if that yeah. baby, you know. But if you have a traumatic event, if that baby drowned in the pool mm -hmm. and you saw that, well, now we're looking at trauma. Yes. And regardless of age, I would say you would probably need to see a professional for that. 
Um, so I think it's important to separate those out too, as we go along with families um, who are grieving. Yeah. And I love what you are, that you shared your experience and the transparency of it and you turned it into something positive and that you guys are wholeheartedly helping and giving and supporting others and forming. And I, I just think that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. thank you. I'm, I'm I appreciate that. that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh man, we could talk about this like all day because this is something that is not talked about. And I love the, the work that you all are doing in Kentucky. How can everyone get in contact with you, our listeners, if they want to follow up with you with questions or want to get involved with your organization? Um, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. They can go to our website, which is tinyurl.com slash steps for Sam. You can also go there and reg register virtually for our event due to COVID. Our event this year is going to be virtually and that will be October the 15th. Um, so you can go to that website to have a baby's name listed if you would like to have the baby's name read. Um, or you can send us an email at jmccoy at mccoycounseling.com and I'll make sure it gets to the right person. I, I definitely um, think it's something that needs a conversation that needs to be more talked about. Um, women supporting women, um, us supporting our men and family members. You know, like we said, that misconception that it's just the women that goes through it, but it's all family members. And just also let it's okay. You know, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to take your time. Um, it's okay to seek help. That's what professionals are there for, just to help you through it. You're not alone, you know. So definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Love it. And, it, you know, and one thing I wanted to add, too, is that everybody's like you echoing what you said, Julie, that everybody's experience is different. Their process is different. Um, and so, yes, we, we do have that support from others, but no one can tell you how to grieve. Um, you, you it's a process. It is a process. So trust in that process and being gentle and kind with yourself through that process. Yes. And yes. self-care. I think that's a big thing that we always talk about. But even in this self-care, you know, take those steps to make sure that you do that self-care because that's important. Yeah. And even saying to a friend, when's the last time you've eaten? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I lost like 20 pounds in the mm -hmm. midst of grieving. If someone had said, when's the last time you had eaten? Some days I wouldn't even know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, are you eating? Are you drinking? Let me bring your family a lasagna. We also put yeah. snacks in our comfort kits for the kiddos. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, mom, I'm hungry. Mom, I'm hungry. <laughs> right. It's amazing what you're doing. And I'm hoping the listeners will join in and find ways on how to help um, push your organization even further in reaching more families. Yes. Thank you, Miss Marie. I'm honored to be here. One thing that we do every week is announce our woman and nominate our woman of the week. Um, this is a woman that may come off as ordinary, but is doing extraordinary things for her family, for her community. And this week is Miss Jessica Mason. Uh, she is a native of Memphis, Tennessee. She is currently in Tennessee um, with her family. She is a wife, a mother. She is 
um, in the education system and she is a proud um, member of Delta Sigma Theta. And also she just graduated with her doctorate um, EDD. And so, so proud of her for all the work that she's doing. And if all, with all the titles off, she is just a beautiful woman with a heart and passion to help women, to help um, children and to help families. And so we just salute you and we honor you this week, Jessica Mason. Yay. Yay, Jessica! Thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you again, Julie. Thank you, Marshawn. Thank, thank you. You're so, so welcome. Much. All right. Until next time. <laughs> yes. Be well.